What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins. That's David Lake. We are here to talk uh, Miami offseason. We are, I guess, we're recording this on Thursday. It's been a busy few days or a week or so for Miami. The Hurricanes obviously hired offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley over the weekend. They officially announced that hiring. Um, players are starting to come back to, uh, to campus. Spring semester is going to get underway. Hurricanes are going to have 13 early enrollees. So we're going to kind of get into all that. We're going to talk a little recruiting. Um, we're going to talk about some potential staff changes for Miami. I know Rhett Lashley is coming in, but he might not be the only guy um, that's new in that in that list of 10. So David, first off, how you doing, man? Doing well. Um, you know, since last time we talked, Rhett Lashley is hired. I know the last podcast I was on with you, I didn't see that happening because I thought, you know, Rhett Lashley honestly was a guy that Manny couldn't land. Um, so we can get into that here coming up. But I think first off, just got to start the podcast with saying I'm impressed uh, that Manny is able to to get a guy like Rhett Lashley because I think number one he is he is an intriguing offensive coordinator. I think he's a big time get, and number two he's going to bring a system to Miami that's going to be exciting for the fans and the players on the team. So we can get into that here right now. Let's do it. Yeah. So I did a I think it was a radio interview on. Wednesday night and obviously Rhett Lashley's name came up and I think I gave I didn't grade the hire or anything like that but I said from a realistic standpoint I don't know if Miami could have done any better right um, or, or Manny Diaz and I want to take everything with a grain of salt you know we both thought that Dan Enos this time last year was was the right answer for Miami and we all know how that sure. kind of played out but I just think from what was available um, the current situation for Miami, him going and getting Rhett Lashley is pretty impressive. I mean, think of it like this. I mean, I'm not saying Miami's a sinking ship, but um, Manny's entering next season on about as hot of a seat as there is uh, after losing to FIU and Louisiana Tech. I mean, the pressure is going to be on. And the fact that he's able to go and get Rhett Lashley, who had an opportunity at Arkansas, was in the conversation at Oregon, was also in the conversation at Washington and Texas. So th- this guy had options. Uh, and he decided to go or come to Miami, where uh, the offense has been pretty much uh, a disaster the past two seasons. Uh, there's plenty of questions at quarterback. Like for him to come here, I think says a lot. And we obviously don't know what type of money was thrown at him or, or, or what or whatnot. But it's not like he has ties to South Florida or anything like this. Or this is his alma mater. Um, so impressive in terms of that, and just also because I think. Manny said he wants to go spread. He said he wants to jack up the tempo. Well, Rhett Lashley does exactly that. I think they ran 80.4 plays this past season at SMU. Uh, They averaged 41 points or so. So this is exactly what Manny was looking for um, in terms from a a stats perspective. Yeah, I think if you were going to look at the checklist of what Manny was looking for in his offensive coordinator, uh, Rhett Lashley checks all the boxes. You alluded to... Uh, Manny wanting to go to a spread. There's no doubt Lush La- Rhett Lashley is all about the spread. Uh, I watched an SMU game uh, where they played against TCU in 2019 this this past season. And uh, honestly, I don't think there was one play where the quarterback lined up from under center. So it's going to be exciting that way. They play at a at a high, high speed. So they checked that box. I think, too, one thing I like, about Rhett uh, when looking at his SMU offense this past year, he just feeds his playmakers. Like he's not trying to spread the ball around to guys who, you know, maybe aren't as talented as the top end guys on the team. He, you know, at SMU, it was pretty clear. He identified his top three or four guys at the skill positions and he fed them the ball. Their, their leading receiver, um, James Prochet led the country in receptions and targets. Their running, their top running back ran for 1,200 yards and had, I think, close to 240 carries. And that carry load was more than 
what DJ Dallas and Cam Harris had combined last season. Um, and honestly, uh, SMU's backup running back had about the same workload as Cam Harris and DJ Dallas. So, and and look, all this goes hand in hand with the fact that they do play fast. So when you when you have more plays, that gives you more opportunities to feed the ball around, and that's just going to keep everyone on the offense happy. I think too, one thing that we shouldn't overlook is he does work with quarterbacks, and I think Manny Diaz values that in an offensive coordinator. Um, I do think Dan Enos is a good quarterbacks coach. Um, I think he proved to maybe be a bad fit in terms of offensive coordinator abilities at Miami with the personnel and whatnot. But I think as a quarterbacks coach, Dan Enos is a good coach. And I think the hope would be that Rhett Lashley can also develop quarterbacks uh, in a similar manner while maybe installing an offense that is more uh, current and, and effective at scoring points and getting yards. I think if I'm like Mark Pope, I'm yeah. just like eyes are wide open, salivating over uh, those numbers you just kind of read off. I mean, we, we don't know exactly. I mean, me and you don't sit in game planning uh, meetings or whatnot, but we do see some practices. We do go to games and, and watch games. And it just seems like, one of the issues with Dan Enos is he never really made the offense easy for his players. Um, you know, it took a while for those guys to get involved. And the hope would be, I mean, we really don't know until uh, week one against Temple in 2020 what, what Rhett, Rhett's offense is going to look like. But the hope w- would be that uh, he's going to make it pretty easy for these guys to excel. And you've talked about it in the past, and I have as well. Like at the college level, you got to put your players in position to succeed. And I think that's something that Rhett is going to want to do. No doubt. I mean, just watching that TCU game, the off, his offense is fairly simple. It's a lot of vertical routes with the outside receivers. And then the inside guys are running a lot of crossing routes. And so within that type of system, um, you know, if you if you put it simply, a safety is going to have to make a decision or a defensive coordinator is going to make a decision with the safety. Okay, am I covering the crosser and taking away this easy short yardage pass? Or am I going to help uh, the vertical routes with the corner? Um, and so that's kind of a pick your poison scenario that Rhett Lashley uh, always puts a defense in during the course of a game. And it leads to easy opportunities if the quarterback knows where to go with the ball. I think one thing, too, I want to touch on that I forgot with Rhett uh, that I do think is important with Miami as a program is SMU also significantly targeted their tight end last season. Um, His name, I think, was Kylan Granson. And he had, I think, close to 700 yards. Very productive guy. Honestly, skill set wise, he is very similar to Brevin Jordan. He's kind of a 6'3, 230, 240 pound guy that is quick, kind of like a bigger wide receiver, to be honest. And Rhett Lashley used him creatively, lined him up at H back, lined him up on the line, lined him up in the slot, and a few times lined him up at outside receiver. So, you know, you mentioned Mark Pope should be. Super excited about this offense. I think Brevin Jordan is going to get a ton of work in this offense. And, you know, his production, assuming he stays healthy, I think he's going to, his production will be through the roof. And I think he'll be one of the more productive tight ends in the country this year if he's used in a similar way. And I'm sure they're going to try to use Will Mallory as well, right? Right, right. No doubt. I mean, you know, Will Mallory, you can line him up in the slot, too. And we saw at the end of the year how effective he can be. Um, you know, he did have some drops, um, but he still picked up plenty of yards, and he showed that he can be a receiving threat. Um, not really shifting away from Rhett Lashley, but a hot topic, a hot button, is what kind of happens next now that Rhett Lashley's been introduced Um Plenty of rumors have been flying over the past really week or so. I remember Saturday I was out trying to enjoy my day and we had message board posts after message board posts about rumors of Taylor Stubblefield and uh, Butch Berry being let go. But um, 
as of Thursday right now. I mean, we're recording this podcast. Uh, both of them are still on staff. Now, with that being said, uh, I would not be surprised if Butch Berry isn't retained by uh, Rhett Lashley. And I guess is retained the right word for that? I mean, or yeah, if, I there's, think so. if, there's, if there's a mutual parting of the ways, I mean, Butch Berry's really kind of not like a spread uh, offensive line coach. Yeah. So, and it's and a different, guy- it's a different style. Like an offensive line coach for a spread offense is different than what Butch Berry does, but go ahead. No. And that's what I was going to say. I, I just think he's also a Dan Enos guy. I mean, I could see him kind of going in a different direction. Taylor Stubblefield on, 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 the, on the other hand, I heard from someone pretty close to him that he, he would like to stay on staff. Um, I would think if if there was a a guy out of those two that could stay, it would be Taylor. And to be honest, I think he did a pretty good job with the wide receivers uh, this past season in terms of developing those guys. So I guess we're in wait and see mode. But I do want to talk about some hypotheticals just because um, we don't we don't know what's going to happen. But one name that I brought up on like Sunday um, was J.B. Grimes, the offensive line coach at Auburn. Turns out on I think it was Tuesday night. Uh, he, it was announced that he had left Auburn's coaching staff and he's a veteran offensive line coach who has worked for Rhett Lashley at Auburn and UConn. So a lot of people are trying to tie those two things together saying that maybe he'll come in and, and, and replace, uh, Butch Berry. Um, David, do you know much about JB Grimes? Cause I have my own opinion I and don't. take here. Okay. I don't. So tell me like, okay, for instance, let me ask you about him. Why would... Like, why would he leave Auburn? Because my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've read is he was given the opportunity to stay on the staff there and he was offered a a raise as well to stay. So why would he come to Miami? Well, it was a decision on his own to leave. And I've heard the word retired kind of thrown around. And uh, I've also heard that maybe he didn't see eye to eye with Guz. Um, Okay. So... With that being said, you know, if he were to come to Miami, um, well, the first things first, I mean, I got to point it out, like he's not a great offense recruiter of the offensive line. And if you followed Miami football for the past five years or uh, are are into the whole recruiting thing, you know that that's a major concern for Miami and they need to find someone who can. Butch Berry was not very good at it. Stacey Searles was a little bit better, but still not great. Um, and I think Grimes would be on the on par with those two. So he's not great. But with that being said, Manny and Rhett could make the decision. Be like, you know what? We don't care about recruiting. We want to win games in 2020. And they could bring in J.B. Grimes, who I think Auburn's offensive line graded out as the 28th best unit this, this past season, according to the folks at Pro Football Focus. So they could bring him in with the thought being that, you know what? We'll figure it out in recruiting. But we want to win games, and I think JB would make a ton of sense just seeing as how he understands Rhett's system. You know, he was with him at UConn. He was with him at Auburn. So uh, that's that's one, I think, scenario or situation that could play out. Let me interject here, too. I think, you know, one thing that is also attractive about Rhett Lashley and this spread offense is that it doesn't put uh, – as much pressure on an offensive line for the offense to be successful, right? So that would speak to, you know, if if you're running an offense that is playing very fast, it's that alone is going to wear down the pass rush, um, which means, you know, there's less and less times when an offense has to line up and absolutely maul a fresh front seven. Um, when you're playing at a fast pace, that's just not going to happen. Um, so maybe, you know, not that the the need to recruit at a higher level isn't there. That's always there. Um, but I right, think but the system can... does mask some of yeah. those issues. Fair to say. And that, yeah. That, and we talked about this like after what the Duke game. I mean, we said it's time for Miami to go spread. And this was one of the reasons why. I mean, it's not like. Look at some of these spread teams around the country. It's not, like UCF doesn't have a bunch of five-star no. offensive linemen out there, but they get the job done. So, yeah, I, 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 I absolutely agree. Um, one other coaching thing I wanted to touch on, Alonzo Highsmith, uh, Barry Jackson of the Miami, Her- Miami Herald, excuse me, 
reported on Thursday morning that Alonzo Highsmith not going to end up at Miami like conversations there are dead. Um, your thoughts on that and just your kind of take on the whole situation because I, I have yeah. my own my own thoughts. Right. So I think so we're we're talking about Alonzo, who is, you know, a front office guy with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, For how much longer is he going to be with the Cleveland Browns? We'll see. It seems like they might be cleaning house and then he's going to have to end up elsewhere, which is why I think he was talking with Miami in the first place. Um, But anyway, so Miami would would be would have been bringing him in in a quote unquote chief of staff role. Um, and what that means was probably the sticking point along with what the salary would have been. Um, so the, the idea for the position, I think, is that, you know, it would be kind of a fresh set of eyes, kind of like maybe a general manager role, uh, with NFL teams, a guy that can, you know, uh, look at the roster, have an idea about where the holes are, um, kind of evaluate how the coaches are doing too. Um, and then also I think to evaluate the the state of the program in terms of facilities and, and where resources need to go. Um, so I think it would have been nice to have Alonzo Highsmith in that role if everything came together. Um, you know, I do think he's a very smart guy. I think he knows what it takes to win at a high level. Um, and I also think he's an alpha dog that would not, uh, you know, hide his opinion on anything that he thinks. And so I think that may be a reason why maybe Manny Diaz and Blake James wouldn't necessarily want him in that role. Uh, because, quite frankly, he's going to tell them things that they probably don't want to hear. And he's going to tell them things maybe that Miami simply can't act on. I don't know. Um, so I think it, it is a, a twofold issue where, you know, does Manny and Blake kind of want more of a yes man, quote unquote, situation? Or do they want a legitimate uh, opinion on, on kind of where things stand with their program, which is what Highsmith would have been? And also, too, I think Heisman. Uh, Highsmith probably got paid well uh, being an NFL front office guy, and I'm not sure Miami could could pay him what he would want in that role either. So, you know, would it have necessarily mattered in terms of wins and losses? I don't know. Um, but I do think in terms of a perception with what it would mean towards the fan base, because, look, confidence right now in the leadership that Blake James and Manny Diaz are providing with the football program is very low. And so when you bring a guy in like Alonzo Highsmith in, uh, that helps kind of uh, boost the confidence level that, okay, they're bringing in a guy that kind of knows knows what to do. And so I think from a perception-wise, it hurts that this thing is not going to work out. So what are your thoughts, Andrew? Well, I'm going to catch some flack for this one. Um, you, you said you're not sure if, if this would result in wins and losses, and I have a hard stance on this right now. If Alonzo Smith was on staff in, in whatever role you wanted him to be, I mean, he can't be an on-field coach. Like, that's not his um, his talents. Like, that's not what he, he does. I mean, I think he went on Brett, Brett Romberg's radio show and said he sees himself as more of a talent evaluator. So, so my right. thing is he – he would re- have resulted in zero more wins than what this team's going to get in 2020. Like, I, like he's not Alonzo Highsmith doesn't equal two more wins, not an off the field guy, not in, in a different role. Like I, I just, I, 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 you know, I, I don't understand why everyone's just bashing Manny and, and, and the administration, man, I get it. I, there's totally ways to be frustrated, but from my understanding and what I've been told, Manny was all for bringing Alonzo Highsmith in. And as of a few days ago, and, you know, this isn't Thursday. I don't know how the talks developed, but uh, I I was told by someone pretty close to the situation that it was more of Alonzo that didn't want to come in and and be the chief of staff. And and, and they really weren't sure why. Maybe he wanted a different position, but Manny was all for it. 
and, and that chief of staff role is a role that Manny actually created um, this past this time last year when he took over from Mark Rick. That's something he went and he asked for, uh, and, and right. he was granted granted that. Uh, they brought Todd Stroud in to be in that role, and that chief of staff role is someone that the head coach can kind of lean on um, to ask questions about everything in the program. And, and most of the time, most schools that have this position, it's a guy who's been a head coach before. It's a guy who um, has done a bunch of different things and can help you in every aspect of the program, whether it be recruiting or scheduling. Hey, you know, should we stay here when we when we travel there? Or, or is it someone that you know, can help you coach your coaches and stuff like that. And I think they thought Todd Stroud was the perfect person for that. Only Jeff Simpson bolted for the NFL. And then all of a sudden Todd Stroud, who, you know, coached some pretty good defensive lines in, in his days, you know, he was tabbed as the next defensive line coach and that role uh, remained vacated. So um, I, I, I just think everyone is, is judging Manny for, for, for how this has played out and, and they think it's the end of the world. And, the most important hire, at least in my eyes, you know, this offseason was the offensive coordinator. And I think Manny did a pretty good job. Like, that's what's going to dictate how this season goes, not Alonzo Highsmith. But that's just my my take. I'm sure there'll be plenty of flack. Like, I feel like I'm in a, a plane and, there, and there's flack going all around me. And, like, I'll take it. But that's just – that's my stance and that's kind of how I view it. Yeah, I, I'll say this. I think um... – Highsmith not coming to Miami is not the greatest thing for Manny Diaz and Blake James uh, in terms of the future, uh, you know, with job security type stuff. Because okay. I do, I do think the board of trustees um, is kind of trying to draw some kind of line in the sand, um, and it, it's clear from what. It, all that's been reported. The board of trustees wanted Alonzo Highsmith bad in this type of role. Um, and, and um, you know, it didn't happen. So I think this is kind of another check mark, so to speak, in terms of the board of trustees maybe um, aligning against Manny and Blake. Uh, and if they don't, have success this season in 2020 and this isn't just come down to Alonzo Highsmith it's it's also the results of not winning games right but this is just another another thing another tally mark on that column uh where the board of trustees can you know hold a grudge or or point to that hey you didn't get this done and we think it could have helped the football program and I'm not necessarily I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying by bringing this point up I just think it it, it kind of looks like a quote unquote civil war is happening behind the scenes with the board of trustees and the leadership of of Blake and Manny with the football program, and so I think that's going to be an interesting thing to monitor the rest of this calendar year. Yeah, well, like you said, all it comes down to is success, and sure, if they know, win, th- then none of this th- matters. I right. agree with that. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to touch on the coaching, coaching stuff? No, I think so. Okay, timeline. I mean, I know um, the coaching convention happens what this weekend, and sometimes that's when a lot of movement can happen with assistant coaches, right? And then the national championship game is played on Monday, and then I think what the science the recruiting period opens up the following weekend right so things are going to be happening quickly in terms of the finalized staff right is that fair to say right right i think we'll know here pretty soon i mean i don't know when you guys are listening to this this podcast i mean it honestly could be like a friday 5 p.m news dump like that that's a scenario that i think that could play out as well it's been happening that's been happening to us but yes um you know, offensive line, wide receiver coach. We'll see what happens. Um, and I guess I should throw in that, like, I don't, you know, I wrote this on Sunday on our site, Miami.247sports.com. I'm not anticipating any changes on the defensive side of the ball. I know there's been rumors that, like, Jonathan Patkey and, and Mike Rump are out, but um, I don't think Manny thinks the defense is the issue. So while all the fans might think it is, 
Like that, that's not going to change. So it, it would just be offensive changes. Sounds good. All right. So we're going to take a quick break, guys. On the other side, we're going to talk recruiting, transfer portal, visits getting set up, uh, and more. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, guys, we are back. Um, We're going to get into more of the talent acquisition area of the offseason. This is definitely Andrew's specialty. Um, And yeah, let's start with the the targets that have emerged in the transfer portal, Andrew. Um, I guess, can we just start at quarterback? That's kind of the position uh, that matters most in all of sports, to be honest. Um, First off, Miami definitely wants to add a a graduate transfer quarterback, correct? Yeah, and this has kind of been the really the... Narr- not narrative. I mean, I've kind of been hearing this before or since the early signing period that like Miami was more than open to bringing in a, a graduate transfer quarterback. Now, I think there were some things I couldn't report at certain times just because it's a sensitive subject when you have other quarterbacks on your roster. But it seems to the point now where well, who is it? Bruce Feldman did the story uh, about Jamie Newman and Anthony Brown, like the cat's out of the bag. And I think other quarterback, the quarterbacks in Miami realize this now. So I'm I'm more than open to freely discussing it if that if that makes sense. So who are the who are the top names that you're hearing Miami is targeting? So the first initial one, and we talked about him on the podcast in the, in the past, is KJ Costello, the kid out of Stanford. Um, I think if Dan Enos was still the offensive coordinator, he would kind of fit that offense. He's a guy who's worked under center, um, more of a pro style passer. I remember him from the Elite Eleven and stuff like that. Um, he, he's won some games at Stanford in his time. He's a May graduate, though, so, so Miami would have time there uh, if they were to miss out on maybe some of these other targets we're going to get into. Um, I do know that he has had extended conversations, and, and by extended conversations, I mean just, just longer phone calls. It hasn't been just text message communication with Miami, but um, as of Thursday, like stuff had kind of died down with him, and really it's the two other names that – we, we should talk about that. It seems like Miami's trying to get involved with and, and, and is holding some hope out for us. So the first one would be uh, Wake Forest transfer Jamie Newman. Um, I think Bruce Feldman tabbed him as the most coveted guy in the transfer portal right now just because uh, he won a bunch of games at Wake Forest and he can play in a spread offense. So Miami has been in contact with him. Uh, I, I believe Manny Diaz has been actually personally recruiting him but the issue is and it's going to be the issue with all these these quarterbacks is Georgia is now looking for a transfer quarterback Oregon's looking for a transfer quarterback a lot of people expect LSU uh, to be looking for a transfer quarterback and all three of those teams are in much better position to make a potential run at the college football playoff than Miami is so he's one the other one uh, that that Feldman reported on and I heard on Wednesday from someone in Coral Gables that they think they might have a better chance with this kid than, than some of the others is Anthony Brown, the kid out of Boston College. He what didn't he beat Miami two years ago on that Friday night game? Am I am I mistaken? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he he just graduated from BC with two degrees. Um and I, he told Felman that that Miami's in there. I think the other school he mentioned was Virginia and uh Georgia. And now Georgia's obviously looking for a quarterback. So those are really the three um there's a fourth out there, Jet Duffy, who was at Texas Tech. I mean, he's the most athletic out of the four. 
we've mentioned in terms of a runner. Um, he's kind of got some off-the-field issues. Just Google his name, and you'll know what we're talking about. So I don't know if if he's the if he's going to be the guy, but he probably honestly fits my or excuse me, Rhett Lashley system system better than any of the other ones. And I know David, you wrote about that uh, on Tuesday on our site. And I'm sure if you guys just just went on the site, you could find it. I mean, just kind of spark notes it for us. Why would he be the best fit? Yeah, I mean, you touched on it. He is a dual threat guy. So he, and he's played in more of so he comes from Texas Tech. He's kind of played in more of an air raid system and honestly Lashley's offense is air raidish. Um so so I think the transition from system to system would be smooth. Um he's a guy that knows how to play behind a average to below average offensive line, so that's a plus. Um and yeah, he he puts up numbers, man. Like he grades out very well on Pro Football Focus's passing grades. I think one thing that's concerning, besides the off-field issues, which no doubt is something Miami's going to have to go through and, and get cleared if if they do decide to go the Jet Duffy route, is the last two seasons he's been at the start of the year. He's been the third-string quarterback at Texas Tech, and he's played because of injuries uh, that have happened to the quarterbacks ahead of him on the depth chart. Now, when he has played, he's played at a high level. Um, But I do wonder, you know, what's going on there in terms of why is he always the third string quarterback on the depth chart at the start of the year? Um, One thing I wanted to ask you, Andrew, and you brought this up to me via text um, with Jamie Newman the Wake Forest quarterback, and Anthony Brown, the former Boston College <laughs> I know, quarterback. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> they work with a uh, quarterback, trainer, guru, coach, uh, Quincy Avery, who's based in the Atlanta area, right? Um, he has a lot of guys he works with. He's He's been linked to – he's Deshaun Watson's guy. Um, I think he works with Dak Prescott as well. I think uh, Justin Fields is also yeah. one of his guys. So he's he definitely has a lot of respect in the quarterback community and has worked with some big-time guys. Another one of his guys is uh, current Miami quarterback Jaron Williams. Um, do you think that could be a – like has Miami brought that up to you, um, that connection? Do they see that as a speed bump or – you know, and then what is your opinion of that connection? Does that matter to you? Well, I'm not going to say, uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I do think Miami is aware of the situation. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, maybe Quincy or, or some people in his camp are, are kind of telling Jaron that, that that's going on. So, uh, I think that's all being calculated um, but at the same time, if, if you're Manny Diaz in Miami, like you got to find a quarterback that can win. And Manny really went to bat throughout the season for Jaron. And at the end of the day, the results weren't there during yeah. down the stretch. I mean, is That's that fair. on Enos or is that on Jaron? I don't know. I, we don't, we, again, we don't sit in those meetings, but it's someone is going to have to make a decision. And, uh, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out just because I do know, I, I mean, Jaron, I think we wrote about it back in the summer that like Jaron w- would go throw in Atlanta. And I know Jamie Newman was one of the quarterbacks there. And uh, I think Anthony Brown was as well. So um, it will be, I don't want to use interesting, but something to monitor over the next week or so, depending on when you are listening to this podcast is, is what happens with Jaron Williams. Yeah. I mean, it's a situation Miami's going to have to navigate. Um, and I think the point you bring up is really fair. And I think it's a good one that, look, Manny did go all in with Jaron. And, you know, I would probably argue he went all in with Jaron at times when he probably shouldn't. Um, so I think a lot of coaches would have cut bait on Jaron a lot sooner. So, you know, is Quincy Avery, this quarterback coach, this quarterback guru, going to recognize that? I don't know. Um but I do think it's fair point to bring up that, look, Manny had Jaron's back in some very tough situations when a lot of 
when a lot of head coaches would not have. So I, I think that's interesting. I guess let me ask, let me get your opinion too, Andrew. Let's take Jamie Newman out of the equation because I think he's obviously yeah, he's, yeah, the number like one I said, guy. He's going to go one of, to one of those three I mentioned. Well, that right. too. Like he might be unrealistic, and I think he's clearly the best of these guys. Who would you say? Who would you go after? Like who's second best in your opinion? Well, I think from a scheme fit, Jet Duffy makes the most sense, right? From a scheme yes. fit, but I think the guy I'm the most intrigued about is Anthony Brown. Um, and I know everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, I, I think someone on our message board said he's Nikosi Perry. He's Nikosi Perry's cousin," and it's like, okay. He might be Nikosi Perry's cousin, but he's also Nikosi Perry with two uh, degrees, who's mature, who went to Boston College and seems to have all his shit together. Like, so for me, from a, I, I think he would give them the most maturity in that quarterback room. Um, so that's why I'm I'm the most intrigued by him. Yeah, I mean, I think that's very fair. I would probably roll the dice with Jet Duffy. I, I mean, there are definitely off-field concerns there. Um, but I think if you get Jet and it hits, uh, Miami could win big. So me, I would roll the dice there. Okay, well, let's move on from quarterbacks because we could probably talk about them all day. <laughs> okay, oh. so the, the next position, right, would be offensive line. And there's been some movement there, um, you know, in the last week or so. Tell us, tell us what's going on with... Graduate transfer offensive linemen, even though we don't necessarily know who their position coach would be. Um, well, Miami's going to try to take as many, not as many, but they're going to try to take the right guys uh, if they can out of that transfer portal. The the big name that went in, I think it was on Monday, is Devin Cochran, uh, a guy out of Vanderbilt. He won't graduate until May, which I think is good news if you're Miami. That kind of gives you some time, some breathing room, meaning you know you don't have to talk him into coming on campus in the next week or so and signing sight unseen or anything like that, like they did with KJ Osborne. But he started uh, 33 games at left tackle over the course of the past three seasons for Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's obviously not great, but um, that's a ton of experience going against a ton of good pass rushers. So he's someone Miami without a doubt is interested in. Uh, I know Manny Diaz. I wrote this on Wednesday uh, on, on the site that Manny Diaz has been in contact with him. Um, I also alluded to in that that same piece what other two schools seem to be the biggest competition for Miami right now. So he's one name to know. Henry Hades is another kid, another offensive lineman. He's out of Stanford. Uh, a mid or he would not be a mid year guy. He's a guy who graduates in May, so he's another one that would come in the summer. Um, I think Miami has a chance there. He started some games uh, at the Power Five level, not as much as as Devin. But he does have ties to Miami. I think his dad played baseball in like the 80s or, or the 70s at, at UM. So he's one. And then the third one I want to bring up is Terrence Davis, who uh, is transferring out of Maryland. He has started, I think, 32 games at, at guard over over his career. And I know everyone's probably going to go, Ugh, guard, why, why are they looking for a guard? But you know, Miami kind of had some question marks at guard last season as well. So if you could come in and get him a, as a plug and play, that'd be pretty huge. So those are those are really the three. Uh, I do not know if Terrence Davis is is a mid year or a summer kid. So um, be sure to kind of keep checking back on that one. Which of those three excites you? Is it fair to say the Vanderbilt kid, Dev, Devin Cochran? Yeah, I think so. I mean, just from. I mean, I'm still not sold on Zion Nelson. Uh, I think the spread offense will will help Zion Nelson. But, I mean, dude, give me a guy who's played that many games. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, I'm looking at his pro football focus right now. And uh, he started, he had 547 snaps this season at left tackle. And last year he had 849 snaps at right tackle. So definitely versatility there. Guy who can play both tackle spots and with a ton of experience, like you said, against SEC pass rushers. That's big time. Um, is there, I mean, is there a number that, I mean, is there a cap on offensive line guys they're going to go after? Or is it just kind of, we're going to take as many as possible? I think they're going to take two. Um, okay. I think two is the number. Okay. 
and ideally two tackles or a tackle and an inside guy? I think ideally is versatility. It, 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 you got to get guys. I mean, the unit as a whole wasn't great. Um, I think tackle would be more of the priority. But if you can take a guy like Terrence Davis, who has played that many games at one of the guard spots, then then you take him and maybe kick Navon Donaldson to the bench. Just kidding. Or maybe I'm not kidding. <laughs> All right. Some N- Navon Donaldson shade. Okay. So next, should we? is there anything else on offense? I know... Previously, we've talked about maybe the need for receiver, but has anything bubbled up there at receiver? No, I think it's just more Miami doing its homework right now. I mean, that could be a summer guy. Maybe Rhett wants to see what he has. So, so nothing there yet. Okay, so let's go to D line, um, where Miami's in the mix for. I think he's a stud, big time pass rusher from Temple. Quincy, is it Roche? Roche? Do you know how to say his last name? I've been rolling with Roche. I mean, I could be completely wrong. Who was the AAC Defensive Player of the Year this past year? Um, Big time pass rusher and sack guy. um, Looking to make the jump to Power 5 for his final year of eligibility. Um, What do you know about what's going on there, Andrew? I think, what, he had 13 sacks, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. I think he's he's also someone that puts some requested paperwork from from the NFL draft people, and I don't think he was a, a top three round pick, so that's kind of why he's uh, opening things back up again. I've done this multiple times on the podcast, but you know this is what we're hearing Thursday. By the time you listen to this, things could change. Uh, Quincy had kind of alluded to earlier in the week that he wanted to have a decision in place by this weekend. Um, I initially thought that timeline wasn't good news for Miami, but I know as of Thursday, the Hurricanes were still in contact. Um, Miami's in this thing, and, and one of the main reasons why, or actually there's two reasons. You know, Miami's had brought graduate transfer defensive linemen, what, in each of the past three seasons? Or is it two seasons? I think three. There's so, Tito, 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 Trayvon Hill. Yeah, so the past two seasons, and most Tito. of these guys have had success. And I, I think he realizes that Miami's defense is a very uh, defensive line friendly yes. system and scheme. Like, you know, you're going to come here and make plays. And I think that's appealing. And, and the, maybe not the X factor, but the other factor that's helping is Quincy, uh, the first couple of years of his college career, it was UM strength coach David Feely working him out in that weight room. So he has, because right. Feely obviously was at Temple. So there's the connection there. And, I think if I'm a guy who's kind of like getting ready for the NFL draft, and this is kind of one of the one one of the reasons why they got Trayvon Hill is like Miami's like a pro city, and you're getting that coaching, and I don't know, it's it's not a bad spot if you're I don't want to say like a a one and done, but I mean that's essentially what you are. Um, so I think that's why Miami's in it. Other schools that have been linked to it is like Florida, Ole Miss, North Carolina, Georgia Tech. The big question everyone wants to know is who actually has space to take him this spring, and we don't really know, but I, I, I know Miami definitely would. So, again, he's going to be one to kind of check the site over the next couple of days because I think some news could happen there, uh, and there's a chance maybe it is good news for Miami. And Georgia Tech is interesting, uh, you know, kind of similar for the reasons you were saying about David Feely. Their head coach is Jeff Collins, who was probably – the head coach that recruited him, maybe to Temple, or at least coached him a lot at Tam- at Temple. That's why, because I mean, those other schools make sense. Georgia Tech's kind of random. That's why Georgia Tech's in the mix there, right? Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, if he doesn't come to Miami, all right, whatever. I, I mean, I'm still have some questions about Miami's pass rush. Just we don't know what Jalen Phillips is going to be, and I'm sure we can get into that at another podcast at another time. But hey, Miami plays Temple week week one and. The good news if you're a Miami fan is Zion Nelson doesn't have to block this kid so because he's going to go right. play somewhere else. And just my opinion, and look, I'm not, a, I'm not hating on uh, Trevon Hill, um, but I think Quincy, honestly, is a better player, right? And if you compare um, Quincy with Greg Rousseau, that's going to be in the discussion for being one of the best pass-rushing duos in the country. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to give it a week or I'm sorry, like four weeks into the season once they finally start unleashing Quincy, but I'm I'm just kidding. 
No, I think but yes. I think it's a bit it like was... I think people will look at maybe Trayvon Hill's time at Miami not being super successful. I think he was solid. Um, was he elite? No, but he was solid and good enough. I think Quincy honestly is big time, big time guy and will be more impactful than Trevon. I don't know. So moving on to the next position group, uh, is there anything going on at linebacker? I know in the past we've said maybe no. they explore. Yeah, I don't think they need to. So I with McLeod coming back, no. doesn't doesn't really make sense. What about DB corner uh, safety? Anything nothing, there? We should know. nothing nothing there yet. And special teams. This is the one where there is something there yet. Uh, we touched on this. I mean like almost three months ago or no, maybe two months ago, right before the FIU game, we kind of teased it on this podcast well before, you know, everyone else started kind of putting the connections together that Miami probably, or was going to be interested in FIU place kicker, Jose Borgales. Uh, and well, guess what they are. He entered his name in the transfer portal. Oof, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I wrote Thursday on, uh, on the site that a decision is expected to come soon. I also kind of teased where I think he's going to end up, but Miami's in it, uh, Alabama's in it, uh, Georgia Tech, we keep mentioning Georgia Tech, and, and Boise State are some other schools that have been in contact. So um, he's the one who's going to make a decision soon. I think if you're Miami, like this is a kid you absolutely have to take. You know, you lost arguably two or three games because of field goal kicking. Jose was a, a Lou Groza semifinalist in, in 2018. Um, didn't have the best of years. I mean, he was still like, I think it was 21 of 29 this year, uh, but he hit two 50 yard field goals against the hurricanes. I mean, I know everyone remembers that. So um, he's, he's, he's a weapon. And if I'm Manny Diaz and Jonathan Patkey and, you know, essentially what is like a four-star transfer sitting out there at, at a position that costs you so many games, you absolutely take him. And do you, you like where Miami stands? Yeah, yeah. I, I like where Miami stands. I, I kind of explain it a little bit more online, but yeah, definite. Oh, and we got a, uh, I think we have an update. Oh, wait, no, never mind, never mind. I was reading a tweet that says, if Georgia lands Jamie Newman, I thought it said Georgia led, landed <laughs> Jamie Newman. Excuse me, I'm sorry. It's that time of year. So, okay, we've covered transfer portal. Are we missing anything there with, with the transfers? Uh, no, 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 no. Let's just, let's touch recruiting real quick and yeah. then we'll, let's kind of get out of here. Yeah. Let's go to the high school kids. So I'll just let you rant, man, and, and tell us what we need to know. Cause I mean, it, the, the pool is going to be small now, but what do we need to know? Um, we need, you need to know that I guess, uh, visits are getting set up, um, for, for official visits. Miami's kind of in the process of doing that. I reported on a few, uh, over the past past uh, few days or so, so uh, excuse me, just jargling up my words. <laughs> um, what we know right now is that Miami wants to take a, a at least one high school uh, cornerback. I think two defensive backs it, it is in place. So what I mean by that is like they would take a, a corner and then maybe another defensive back that's like a versatile guy um, that could do safety or corner or even striker. And I know everyone loves to talk about that. Um, so right now we know two corners for sure are planning to visit. Uh, the first one is Ennis Rackstraw out of Duncanville, Texas. He is the, uh, late bloomer of late bloomers. I mean, this kid had just a few offers, uh, a week ago, no, two or three weeks ago. Now he's got Miami, Alabama offered, Baylor offered, uh, Georgia offered, Michigan state offered, Missouri offered. So Miami is it? is as of this Thursday expecting him to come uh, uh, the weekend of the 17th. He's He seems, I, I would think he's probably near the top of the board uh, at corner. Behind him is Jamori Colson. He's a kid out of a small 1A school in Georgia, uh, Irwin County, which is in Osceola. I think that's how you would say it. It's definitely an Indian name, and I've never been there, so I'm just kind of free-flowing free on that one. Uh, he's going to be on the 24th, and then there's a third corner out there, um, Edric Whitley, who's also from Texas, he's another late bloomer. I mean, a guy who only had offers from like Encarta Word and uh, Sam Houston State. In the past 24 hours, he's gotten offers from Miami and Ole Miss. So 
they are exploring out-of-state options at cornerback, so they're definitely going to do that. And then I think safety, like I mentioned, is in play. Darren Branch, the kid we talked about in the past out of a Mike, Louisiana, the three-star defensive back. He's currently committed to Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss has had a ton of coaching changes. Uh, like I think their defensive backs coach just left, so Miami expects him to visit. I don't know which weekend exactly. Uh, and then you got Avante Williams, Lorenzo Lingard's cousin, the top 24-7 safety out of Deland, Florida. I recently crystal balled him to, to Florida. Uh, the Gators think there's probably a good chance he lands there, but don't be surprised if he uh, shows up on Miami's campus here over the next couple weeks, as uh, as he told me on, on Wednesday, that there's a chance they can get an official visit. So it's mainly DB, right? Fair to say high school recruits that they're still trying to, to land. Yeah, and I think maybe, maybe they'll go for a wide receiver. Um, I don't think they're going to reach and take it an offensive lineman just to take an offensive lineman. Uh, like they will go portal if they can. But yes, it's it's primarily defensive back, maybe an edge rusher um, if, if the right edge rusher is there, someone to replace Romello Height. But I think if they can replace Romello Height's spot in the class with Quincy Roche, then they're definitely going to do that. Kind of like they did last cycle when they missed on Bogle. Trayvon Hill got the got got the nod and the in the go ahead. So really the priority is the transfer portal, fair to say? Absolutely. It's just not as sexy and branded as last year's, right? Right, right. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but um, Mississippi State just hired Mike Leach. Um, do you think there's a chance Miami tries to explore some of those guys or not? I mean, because, you know, when guys sign and a coaching change happens, a lot of times those guys will get released from their NLIs. I mean, I don't even know who they have committed, to be honest. So this is kind of a ridiculous question, I guess. But Uh, it's not it's not a ridiculous question. Um, I would say stay tuned to the site. That's all I'm going to say. Ooh. Um, It just depends if guys are going to be let out of NLIs. Okay, which gotcha. it, I think has been someone was telling me, you know, our colleague Luke Stampini, I was kind of asking him some questions about that. And he says that this happens all the time in basketball and kids do get let out of NLIs, excuse me. So right. uh, I think Miami would would definitely try to shop that commit list if uh, those kids are given a right to sign somewhere else, which they should absolutely be. I mean, Yes. Mississippi State was all in on Joe, Joe Moorhead, got all those kids to sign for Joe Moorhead, and then fired him a week later or whatever it was. So, right. yeah, that's an interesting one. And I want to know how that plays out just because that will set kind of the standard for these coaching changes in the future. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a Mike Leach fan, but he's not for everyone. So, you know. I don't, yeah, like I, yeah. Oh, his recruiting classes are going to be interesting. Yes. All right. Anything else to, to close things out here? I guess, you know, stay tuned to the website as, as we keep saying, um, you know, lots of news going to happen here over the next time, you know, between now and the next time we record, probably um, we'll be able to talk about some of these transfer portal movements and probably new assistant coaches. So check out the website inside the U.com Miami.247sports.com and, uh, Yeah. Anything else, Andrew? No, we'll talk to you guys next time. Take care.